This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Today, I'm honored sitting down with Pastor Chris Durso. And Pastor Chris is the senior pastor at Saints Church in New York. He's the creative architect of the Misfit Movement, a local youth ministry with global impact. Pastors Chris and his wife Yaris are uh, passionate about bringing the gospel to, well, to all generations, committed to seeking the presence of God and helping others encounter Him. Pleasure to welcome you back to the podcast, Pastor Chris. Man, thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Oh, no, it's an honor. And we're grateful that you're here for SU Conference and uh, get to pour into our students' lives. Um, uh, Since the last podcast we had, a lot has happened, uh, uh, and your parents recently passed the torch to you and 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 your wife as you stepped into the role now of senior pastors what has that transition been like man that's such a big question um it's been amazing it's been incredible we we started this journey 4 years ago so when i stepped out of youth ministry both Jairus and i my dad and mom sat us down and said hey we want you to take this church but it's a 35 year old church and they've only known my parents to be their pastors so let's not go quick, let's go slow, which we were totally fine with. So the transition was actually four years that we were working towards. And about two years in, we announced it to the church that it's going to happen in two years. Mm-hmm. And that was all the, the, all the leadership of my dad and just his approach. And looking back at it now, it was the right approach. Not to say that it's been easy, because it has not been, but it's definitely been easier and I think there could have been way more casualties and uh, hearts broken and lack of clarity had we not gone slower. So the fact that we are, we're here today, and I'm three weeks in, so I'm, I'm not a professional by any means, but uh, it's exciting to see it go. The church is growing, and we're trying to figure out how to add more services. So it's, yeah. it's pretty exciting at the moment. What would you say has been the most surprising aspect of this transition that really was a you know, surprise to you in the midst of it. Yeah, there are like certain moments where you would know as a husband, a dad, where that first night, the first time you hold your baby, you feel this weight of responsibility. Wow. And I don't think I expected the responsibility, the weight of it, that I would feel it because I have been operating as the executive pastor for four years. And for the last two years, even though we were working towards it, dad and mom pretty much stepped back and they were allowing me to lead it. So it's like I've been leading it already for two years. But there was something about uh, that transition service, again, wasn't expecting it, where I just felt the weight. And it was a good weight. It was a good pressure. Not an overwhelming pressure, but a a pressure that made me feel very responsible. Don't take this lightly. Focus, get committed more than than, uh, ever before, discipline, Growth, all of those things are just now what I'm aspiring towards and working towards, and that's exciting. Yeah. You know, I found that succession planning is probably one of the biggest issues uh, in leadership that Mm -hmm. a lot of organizations are are facing. What what would be some tips you would give to any leader thinking about making that kind of transition? I think being honest really matters. Mm -hmm. I think where churches fail at times is we think that either the congregation isn't going to understand or leaders aren't going to understand. So what we do is we inform them of our decision, which good leaders do. But I think that the smart leaders or the wise leaders allow the, the leaders 
to feel the journey of making the decision. Not saying that they're going to sway their decision based off of how people respond, but allowing the people to, to feel like they were a part, part of the of journey. Because sure. now they have ownership. Another thing that we did very practically is we reached out to the table group, which is Patrick Lencioni's uh, leadership firm. Yeah. And they actually walked us through the transition. So we worked with them for two and a half years and had one coach. And we used the book, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni as our frame. So in the book, it talks about developing a playbook. The playbook is five questions. That is the filter in which we made every decision. We gave out our playbook to the whole church. We publicize it. We reference it. We talk about it pretty freely. And what that done, what, what's that done for us is given us uh, just framework and what to operate in. Right, so freedom right. within that framework has been the best thing that we're, we've been able to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it allows you to bring a lot of clarity mm -hmm. in communication and, and then to align things. Now, uh, Saints Church, formerly known as Christ Tabernacle, yep. uh, planted back in 1984, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, from your parents, Michael and Maria. How has the church changed since way back then? And what's it like to do ministry with your family like that? So growing up in the church, it's always been Pentecostal or non-denominational, but we know non-denominational is code for Pentecostal. <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> and so it's it's always it's always been that. So we've we've never lost those roots. We are we are a church that prays. Uh, we do prayer meetings. We we have seasons of fasting and praying. Um, we have not walked away from any of that. Um, we take our time in worship. We do altar calls. Um, and I think that's probably been one of the best things we could do in an ever-changing city. I mean, people know New York for being a city that's just constantly changing. The right. people there are transient. They're coming and they're going. Right. So what we've seen is a, a demographic that started off uh, when we started the church, predominantly Puerto Rican, uh, to now a neighborhood that is everything. Puerto Rican, Dominican, yeah. Italian, Irish, you name it, we got it, black, white. Everything in between, and our church has has evolved into that, which is beautiful because, I mean, New York is a melting pot. Uh, National Geographic notes Queens to be the most diverse place on the planet. Uh, so it's exciting to me to see our church as a reflection of that, as opposed to it just being one demographic. What was the um, the visionary drive behind the name change and rebrand? When I was. Um, when I stepped into the role four years ago, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're going to change the name. Mm. And I didn't know what the name was going to be. In fact, for a long time, I thought I was going to name the church Home. And then one of my really close friends changed his church right, to Church Home. Church Home, right. And I was like, oh, thanks, Judah, uh, for <laughs> yes. taking the name. Um, and But when that happened, I just felt like, oh, yeah, we're, we're not going to go with, with that. It's just a good idea. And they got it. And all right, cool. But I just knew that we were going to change the name. I had no idea what it was. People were recommending, why don't you change the church to Misfit? And I was like, no, that was, that's a great youth ministry name. I'm not going to change the name of the church to that. And it's funny because it was actually in the beginning of 2019, we, we did this series called Every Saint Has a Past, Every Sinner Has a Future. And it's become like our banner theme, yeah. 2019, where the language was just a part of almost every sermon. And then in August of 2019, I'm sitting in one of our services, and we have a pastor with us. She's a guest preacher, and she just starts to prophesy. And she says, there's going to be a shift, and it's going to happen suddenly. And Chris, you're going to know what the shift is, but don't be afraid. Go with it. Then she encourages the church. Church, get behind it. Don't be offended by it. Stick with it. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're going to change the name of the church yeah. to Saints Church, which it was like, whoa. 
uh, okay. I actually thought the name Saints Church was kind of like too cool for a church name, yeah. uh, which I kind of liked, but was unsure. Um, but I shared it with my wife. Uh, she agreed. So then I told my parents, hey, can I take you out to eat? And we went out to eat. And I said, I want you to know that I'm going to change the name of the church. And right away they were like, oh, I'm unsure. Christ Tabernacle, 35 years. So many right, people right, know the right. name. And rightfully so. And then my mom goes, well, what's the name? And I said, Saints Church. And immediately she goes, that's it. Wow. She goes, I feel it in my spirit. And then my dad said, yep, next week is Vision Sunday. I'll announce it then. Wow. I mean, talk about it suddenly. It was like, oh. And even the beauty of him making the change as opposed to me making the name change a few months later when I'd be a lead pastor was such a help. Yeah. Because it, I didn't need it to be attached to my name. It was just an act of obedience to where God was called in our church. How, 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 and so then how did you roll it out even more so uh, in terms of the branding of the, you know, because that's a, that's a real practical element of how you, how you lead that, yeah. Yeah, so when we announced it in September, uh, the, end, the last Sunday in September was our Vision Sunday. We announced that come January 1 of 2020, we will be Saints Church. So what we did was, just as honest as we were about the transition between my parents and my wife and I, was then how honest we became about the name change and it coming. And because we spoke only kindly and positively about it, it was like January 1, get ready. Yeah. So New Year's Day, we, we did a prayer meeting. We're going to be Saints Church on January 1. want you to come out with expectation. want you to come out excited. Look what God's doing. Definitely use stories in the Bible where we've had some pretty positive name changes and how God always did more exactly. with the name change. But the beauty, the beauty of it, to be honest with you, is the fact that my parents championed it. Yeah. And because they were so behind it, all the people that loved them and followed right. them, who I have not been the privilege of being their pastor yet. Right. They were just inheriting me. Because they saw his peace and his confidence, they then felt confident yeah. and peace about it. That's good. You uh, you now stepping into uh, you know lead pastor and and you've served in so many different uh, uh, seasons of life and different mm -hmm. roles, and now you're stepping into a pretty significant role. Um, and you travel a lot, you speak a lot, and yeah. uh, you've got two children. And how how now are you bringing balance to your life with all of this? That's uh, actually why I'm here. I want to learn from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need I need you to help uh, me with that. Um, I I don't know that we're, we're we're doing it right, but we are doing it very honestly. And what I mean by that is, I decided at the end of the last year with my wife and I we were gonna say no to a good amount of speaking engagements. And that in order to get the church to where we want it to be, at least for the first year, I would need to preach 40 Sundays at home, not travel, and have five or six other Sundays where I'm not preaching, but I'm just present with the leading the service. So my travel has gone down drastically, mm. where I might have been out three Sundays a month uh, or seven trips a month uh, previously. It's now really down to man, maybe six trips for the whole year of 2020. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was definitely very intentional. Yeah. Um, how we operate in our staff meetings or our sermonizing is very intentional. So as opposed to preaching the broad stroke, it's very direct in where we need to be as a church. So to anyone that listens to our sermons on our podcast, awesome. But it's almost like you're getting a peek into just family conversation and that's how I think I need to be doing it. Yeah. Um, but me and my wife, she, she's on, uh, she's leading with me. And so we have the same schedule. So we go in the same days and then we're home the same days. 
Um, and I think that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, that we're trying to be as home as much for the kids as possible, yeah. so it's normalized. I mean, my kids are pumped about it, um, and they're they're so excited about it all. We actually had to like tell them to to like chill out because like my daughter, <laughs> she's like, "Oh, we're we're senior pastors now," and I'm like, "Yeah, that just means we we serve more than anyone yeah, else." Right. Chloe, she's like, "Nope, special treatment." I'm like, "No way, you know, put her to work." <laughs> VIP status now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. You you have had so you know rich experience in in different roles. How how would you say your leadership style has um, changed or you've grown through all the different types of experiences to now that you're going to lead in the way you're mm. going to lead now? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. I I think that what I'm learning is to slow down. Mm. I'm a quick thinker, mm. and that could be a great thing. That could be a really bad thing. Um, where I've I've made so many rookie decisions, so many rookie mistakes of just making the quick decision, of being quick to make the change or quick to do something. And watching my dad, who has longevity, he has 35 years, there are seasons and moments where I've seen him go quick and other moments where I've seen him say, hey, just because we responded like that at this moment does not mean we're going to respond like that here. And I'm learning how to navigate through that. I don't have it. I don't get it right every time. But the thing that I'm most aware of, where maybe before I would have pushed away or said, no, it's not a big deal, which is typical young leader. We think nothing's a big deal when in actuality, the things we make a big deal aren't a big deal. And the things that we should make a big deal are not. And and so I've I've learned that. You know, as you think about now your role and and you're, you're actually leading the team, what's been the biggest difference between working you know, in youth ministry as part of a team mm-hmm. or, you know, and now actually you're guiding the team. Yeah. What, what are you taking into that as you have the chance now to empower your team? I think the thing that I'm constantly saying is, team, give me time. Yeah. I just got here. Yeah. And what happens is immediately, and again, you would know this better than me, is that the moment I took on the position as lead pastor— I've had everyone ask me, well, what's next for me? Or what do you yeah, want me to do yeah. now? And I'm, right, and right. I'm kind of throwing my hands up right. saying, hey, let me figure that out. Yeah. Let's just operate at our pace. Whatever our pace of grace is, that's what I want it to be. And right now, I feel like God is, he's, I feel like he's advancing us quickly, yeah. but he's telling me to move slowly. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're asking me the questions, but I think about what you've accomplished. Sure. And I think about this incredible university. And every time I'm here, it's just there's so much growth and there's so much life. You being in the position you've been in, I, I would almost love to learn that same answer from you because you actually have the track record. I'm, again, I'm only three weeks sure. in. Yeah, you know, for me, it's, it's, um, it's self-awareness. And, and then the ability to um, be others-oriented in vision and how you drive vision. Mm-hmm. So knowing fully well who I am and what God's, how God wants to use me and, and the, the things that he's done in my life and how does that impact context because um, God's constantly changing context in many ways, but do you know who you are and what you need to accomplish in that context? And then how do you empower the team around you to what you don't have? Great. They do. Wow. And that's what um, has been such a, uh, I mean, it's just been amazing for me to be able to surround myself in, in, in teamwork with people that can do things I can never do. 
but I know who I am and what God's called me to do. If I run in that lane and empower others to do the things that we know that as a team we got to accomplish, wow, the 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 explosion of opportunity and and vision and drive. I mean, it just uh, that's how I've uh, you yeah, know really. approached it, and it's just been a um, it's always an amazing journey, no matter what that context is. So, can I ask you one more question? Sure. What what, what is that vetting process then looks like of getting the right people around you? Well, it's it, to me, it's it's uh, a, a process that I work through. It's four things. I listen. I'm I'm constantly listening. When I stepped into this role, uh, in any role that I've had, I listen to the issues, the people, the the uh, challenges, the um, what I see is is where the place needs to go or or the organization needs to go to grow and be healthy. Then out of that, I begin to see the kind of people, the kind of gift mix, the kind of um, experience that will fit exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, two issues that were significant here, uh, systems and governance. Um, well, I, I wanted a systems guy. I wanted a systems person mm-hmm. who was a, a, a systems thinker who had experience and rich and understood those dynamics and could bring to the table that whole awareness of how are we going to change systems again to create uh, sustainable growth. But as you know, growth can be great, but if it's not healthy, it doesn't work. And to me, systems is that foundational piece. Governance, the same thing. Culture, the same thing. So you go after people and you begin to vet based on on that, and, and it becomes very unique to the context. So that's kind of the drive. Um, that's so rich. Behind me. Well, uh, I want to hear more from you. So, uh, but thanks for asking those those questions. I, I did want to ask you. Um, yeah. You talked a little earlier in our conversation about uh, about the Saints Church slogan. Every every saint. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Has a future. Unpack that a little bit and how you drive that as really the visionary element of who you're becoming. Yeah. So. It's funny because four and a half years ago, I was preaching in Oklahoma City, and in the hotel they put me at, the lobby had like an art installation, and one of the pieces was that statement, and wrote it down in my journal, and I kind of never looked at it again, and then I was back the following year for the same conference, saw the slogan again, was back the following year, saw the slogan again, and that third time, it really just impacted me. And it impacted me the first time, but I didn't do my due diligence in thinking about it like I should. And I think the reason why it impacted me so much is because church has to be seen from this perspective of no man, no woman is greater than the next. There are people that are in different positions, but that doesn't make them better. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, everyone is the same height at the foot of the cross. Mm. So it speaks to grace. So no matter how much I've accomplished in this world, when I stand before the throne, well, my righteousness is like filthy rags. So for me to think that I am better, greater than anyone would be a disservice to not only myself and their relationship, but to my relationship with God. And I just wanted to make sure that we're building a church that everyone could operate from the same playing field. Not to say that we don't have uh, structure and leadership and discipleship. That is all set up, and we have pastors and we have deacons. Uh, But it's to make sure that every pastor, every deacon, every leader is not operating from a 
drunken spirit space, but a sober-minded space, like Romans talks about. Because yeah. I think that ministry could become so intoxicating if taken the wrong approach, and people will then start to feel themselves, for lack of a better term, and start to think so highly of themselves. And as a result, keep people out. I want to lead a church, but I don't want the church politics. And I know they always get in there, but what could I do to make sure that we're keeping them out as much as possible or we're dispelling them or refuting them as much as possible? I wanted to make sure that we, as we move forward, we are preaching the grace of God and we are operating from the grace of God. Yeah. So I want the sinner to know that they have a hope, and I don't want the saint to forget where they, where they came from. Because the moment you forget, you just start to think, I'm here because of my own accomplishments or skills. Yeah, it's it's a it's a powerful, powerful slogan. I mean, it, it does um, it visualize uh, a transformational journey, mm. which is, uh, and I love it. So I'm grateful that you have that. I, I, I want to ask you, uh, time-wise here, we're, we're getting close to, to running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, um, in a recent tweet, you said, vision and leadership go hand in hand, but they're not one and the same. So I wanted to ask you, in, in your opinion, what leadership skills are key to successfully carrying out vision? And you're in the midst of that now. What's that, what's that key for you? Yeah, so the beautiful thing about you asking me that question is you already answered it and what you shared with me before about the systems. I, I think most leaders or a good amount of leaders that are, that are the head, whether the CEO, the president, the lead pastor— they're visionaries. They see things from the 30,000-foot view. But in order to accomplish the vision, you need guys that aren't visionaries but leaders that can take the system, apply it, stick with it, and have the discipline to do it. I think the thing that I've seen in church so much, and I was this leader, by the way, that led from emotion where, well, one day I feel to do something, and then the next day I feel to do something else. And what I feel to do the next day either takes me away from what I was doing and causes me to neglect it or refutes it. And James talks about a double-minded man is unstable right, right. in all his ways. He's like a wave of the sea tossed back and forth, back and forth. And I wanted, to, I, when I think about a visionary, we need one visionary. Yeah. We need a team of leaders. Right. We need a team of right. doers. Even the visionary needs to be a leader. Because I think that visionaries, if they're just operating from a space of just forecasting and predicting and and saying what it should be, but don't ever show how to lead it and do it, they're doing a disservice to their team because the visionary knows how they want it to be done. The leader, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily need to be a visionary, but they do need to catch the vision. And as long as they're willing to hold on to the vision and contextualize it and play it out, that's where you get the results. So a vision without any leadership is a dream, yeah, right? But right. But a vision with leadership is a dream come true. Um, one one final question. We'll, we'll close it with our, our fire round questions. Yeah. Um, you're here. You're investing in our students, um, and you know you've been here before, and and it's always a powerful time. And mm -hmm. just grateful for your voice. Many of them are starting out. You know, again, discovering and developing. You know who they are and God's call on their life. What's uh, what's a piece of advice that you'd give them as they uh, embark on this journey? I love talking to young adults. I especially love talking to your young adults. Mm. I love this university. It means so much to me. When I think about young adults, I think about, especially in this day and age, in this culture, that they could make it about the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. I would encourage every young adult to operate that way. Mm. 
But then the extension of that statement, I would say, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, regardless if anyone sees it. Yeah. And I would encourage them to not make it about being known, but make it about pleasing God. I was thinking about the story, the story that we preach on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. And before Jesus ever comes in riding on the donkey, he sends two disciples to go and get the donkey. And I love it because Jesus says, go to this town, untie it. And if anyone asks, say that the Lord needs it. And we never find out the names of the two disciples. We know there were other disciples, but only two were picked. We don't know their name, but we do know their assignment. He tells these two disciples, go take a walk, a two-mile walk. Untie the donkey. If anyone asks you why you're taking it, say the Lord needs it. Then walk it back. Don't ride it. Then Jesus is going to get on top of it, and then you have to walk on. You have to walk with it again. So now six miles all together, and we never find out their name. But yet, without their obedience, this moment doesn't happen. Right. And what I would be encouraging young adults to get is that mindset of the disciple. You don't need anyone to know your name. You just need to please right. Jesus. Right. And that is such a lost art yeah. in this time in history because of cameras and social media, and where thing, what what people have made it based off of perception. My hope to them would be, man, just go get the donkey and do it with joy and do it faithfully, do it with humility and do it with excellence. We need to capture that and make sure every student hears that as part of their, (laughs) as part of our, we do our SEU 101, which we pour into them wisdom like this from leaders, but you, you, that's powerful. So thank you for sharing that. All right, three final questions. I've asked you before, but I want to see how maybe they might have changed. changed maybe a they little might bit, have changed. But, uh, I think I was tired the last uh, time. Yeah, so, so who knows? But uh, first one is, you know, the church is mandated. You've got to have a perfect day off. What's that perfect day off look like for you right now? Perfect day off is with my wife, no one else, going to the movies, watching two movies back to back. I don't care what they are as long as they're not cartoons because uh, <laughs> the children are in school and then going to eat a good Italian meal at our favorite Italian restaurant. Where, where, where is that? Il Molino in Long Island is our favorite Italian restaurant. Although we just had this other place uh, that a friend of ours treated us to called Carbone in Manhattan. Oh, wow. And man, that is next level. We're going to have to try that out next yeah. time. That'll be great. Next time you're in New York, we're taking you. For sure. I'd look forward to that. Uh, what historical leader, uh, living or dead, you'd like to sit down now with and have a cup of coffee? Just one. I, I would love to talk to Billy Graham. Yeah. I'd also love to talk to D.L. Moody. Yeah. I, I don't know who I would pick. But if I could talk to either of them, I, I would just want to hear their thought process. Just teach me how you, how, how you think and why you did what you did and how you did it. That's a great question. Yeah. And finally, what's that next big dream? What are you dreaming about at night? You know, we were in the, the session this morning um, watching thousands of young adults worship Jesus. And a good amount of them excited about ministry, all of them excited about life. Man, my prayer is that my my son Dylan, who's about to be 13, my daughter Chloe, who just turned 10, would be at that space when they're that age. And if I think about anything, I think about just healthy family. Um, I think because of the years of ministry, I love ministry. and I'm, And because of the travel, I think I know that Ministry is going to have its tough times and moments are going to fail and the other moments you're going to succeed and God's going to do what God does. But the thing that I think about the most is I want a healthy family 
And there's nothing that would please Jairus and I more than seeing our two babies on fire for Jesus, living for Jesus without being forced to or because they're the pastor's kids. So if they're at Southeastern, you know, in five years from now or eight years from now, I want to see them up front worshiping Jesus with everything they got. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Man, I love sitting down and talking with you. I love your spirit. love your passion. Man, I'm honored um, to be here. I, I love compassion. you guys. I love and you. And I, I tell you, just, just listening to you now, I mean, I love about where you are, you know, right now in this new season. And you're, you, you're embodying the idea that, you know, when you understand leadership, it, it's all about context and mm-hmm. understanding that context so that you can lead the way God wants you to lead. And, and many leaders, um, I think, have a hard time realizing that what gets you to one level isn't what will get you to the next level. And and you you express that, and and you have such a a natural curiosity, a, a discipline of of really wanting to learn and mm-hmm. and grow, which is what you have to do as a leader to take advantage of the opportunities that you know God brings your way. And and uh, and you've done this in this transition season, and I know you're going to bring incredible fruit to uh, Saints Church. It's going to be an amazing uh, amazing journey. So grateful to have this conversation. So it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and today. Thank you so um, much for having me. Uh, you're welcome. It's such an honor. Thank you. For more on Chris Durso and Saints Church, visit saintschurch.com. Uh, and is there any other way that we can connect with you? Yeah, we, we, we have all the social media platforms, okay. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's Chris Durso or Saints Church. All right. Yeah. Great, great. Saintschurch.com for sure. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Framework Leadership Today. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.